Hello, everyone. It's Julie's story. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast. I'm over here at my desk today. I don't know. I'm switching it up. Normally, I'm at my kitchen table. I'm at my desk. I'm right in the middle, in the middle of creating this writing course, and I'm so pumped about it, but I'm on slide 54 of just the Instagram caption section of this course. I don't know if it's because I've been branding for so long or because like writing is my life and also because everything has to look pretty because I'm super extra, but 54 slides in and this section is still not done. So I'm like, you know what? We're going to put a pause on it. Here we are on the podcast. Let me tell you about last night. Okay. Because last night was kind of a thing. (laughs) It was a thing because my daughter wanted to go to this Christmas party with this church group that she's involved in and she's 12 years old and she goes to this church group with her dad so I'm not familiar with the church group I don't really you know know anyone so first of all I get a panicked call from school do you know that moments moms when your phone lights up the kid's school is calling And you just never know what's going to be on the other side of this phone call. I remember when I was working like seven years ago at this job that I hated. I've never told you guys about this job, I don't think. Being an email marketing director for a car dealership like company. So I worked with um, a lot of mechanics, lots of um, guys that didn't like glitter. So it was a little bit um, outside of my strengths. So I was working at this company and I remember getting this phone call from the kids' school and it was it was the, hey, Miss Story, your child has been hurt phone call. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're like your child hit, hit their head. I think it was my son hit his head, um, you know, and I immediately go into Dr. Mom. I immediately, I'm like, you know, what, what's his blood pressure? Is he conscious? Like, and of course it was like something ridiculous. Like another kid was swinging on the swing and like, you know, he just gets hit in the face and he was fine. But in that moment I become a superhero and I like leap up from my desk dramatically. And I look at my boss with that, those eyes of like, I don't care if I get fired, like super dramatically, even though it's just like a bump on my kid's head. And you know, of course my boss was like, yeah, it's fine. Like your kid got hurt at school. Like go get your kid. So I went, picked him up. He was fine. So yesterday I get the call. I get a call and I don't know if it's the call or a call. So I pick up the phone and I've gotten these calls for like the simplest things like, Hey mom, I forgot my lunch type of thing. Or like, hey mom, you know, I left my homework at home. Or hey mom, I'm not feeling good. So I don't know what this call is. And my daughter's voice greets me on the other line. And she's upset. I know because the first three words that she says that she's upset. And what's funny, this child tries to convince me in her tween years. She's 12. So 12 is the, the, the beginning. I don't know if it's the beginning. We're like past the beginning of... The great life changes from childhood into tweenhood. But she's had more, um, you know, highs and lows. And I told her this morning, I said, we all, all women remember 12. Okay, 12 was a moment (laughs) for everybody. This moment looked terrible for most of us. And most of us in our, you know, 30s right now, All we're doing as we're scrolling through tweens going through puberty is we're thanking Jesus 
that there's not documentation of some of the worst traumatic fashion choices of our life. I remember my mother begging me to wash my hair properly. I didn't get that there's a technique to this. You know, you just kind of put soap up there and go, no, no, you really need to scrub. And now being a huge advocate of dry shampoo because my hair gets oily 35 seconds after I shower, I now understand what she was saying. And as I'm brushing my daughter's hair this morning, morning, talking about the oil in her hair, I remembered my 12-year-old years and I remembered the scrunchie that just, there was a permanent mark on my arm from wearing my scrunchie because you just wore, it was a fashion, a horrible fashion faux pas accessory that we all had. No documentation of this is online whatsoever, just tucked inside tubs of uh, photo albums that my mother has. Maybe one day I will get them out and share them all with the internet. But for now, they're tucked away a silent collection of my traumatic years. So as my daughter's relaying information to me about how she feels and how the things she's experiencing, I'm remembering my years and and in the book that I'm writing just a collection of stories I relay some of those stories of always feeling like the goofy sidekick I was never the main character in the story of my homeschool life even though I was the only kid in my class I whenever we'd go to 4-H events where my parents were trying to socialize us to be normal socialized human beings I was never the cool girl. I was always the kind of chunky sidekick who had the bad comedic timing. That was me. And I was always shorter and I was like into things like Beanie Babies and other girls were like into things like cool things like Britney Spears and, you know, all those other things I didn't have and didn't didn't participate in. I participated a smidgen in Britney Spears, but I was super... um, I don't know. Do you call it religious? Can you be really religious at 12? If you can, that was me. Uh, So I was like listening to like DC Talk and, you know, like Rebecca St. James and that, like that. I was like that girl. (laughs) So ridiculous. No wonder. No wonder none of my crushes like me. That was me at 12. Okay. Lots of Beanie Babies. I think my room was still Lion King at this phase because my parents thought it was a really great idea to let me choose the carpet of my room and at nine years old um I thought well if I'm gonna have a Lion King room grass is green so I chose the most hideous green carpet my walls were green and this room was Lion King for years I'm still traumatized about this room and maybe that's why I've always just had a dream of like having everything in my home decorated in a certain way because I had years of growing out I grew out of Lion King very quickly after nine and still I had a Lion King room for years so I think by the time I was 12 I still had a Lion King room I remember this one this one day it was a sleepover with my best friend who lived across the street from me and I had a calendar that was hanging up on my wall and I remember marking the calendar day on the wall that was going to be the day I was going to be brave enough to tell my parents I no longer wanted a Lion King room I was likely 14 at the time no but so I'm 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 thinking about all these things as my daughter's going through age 12 
Um, and, and what brings that on is what's on the other side of the phone call that's coming in yesterday as my kid's school flashes across my phone and I answer the phone. My daughter's voice is in a panic because she wants to go to the student group Christmas party. And the Christmas party is an ugly sweater party. And it's also a white elephant gift exchange. And so she's calling me in the middle of her school day to relay the anxiety she's having because she is not ready for the party that's happening in eight hours from the moment that she called. And so I, of course, um, let her know that everything's going to be all right. I mean, the trauma in the world that is the things that the kids are going through. And I try and remember as my children are processing their big life events, the things that are going on are the hugest deal. This would probably be comparable to the adult who gets to a Friday night and realizes I have nothing to cook for dinner and I don't want to go to the store and the last thing I want to do is put on pants. This is probably where the comparison comes from in this moment for my daughter and I just try and talk her down off the cliff of this is going to be the worst day of my life. And I let her know it's going to be okay. Focus on school. We'll figure it out. So um, in the middle of my work day, creating this course, I pause and I go out to my garage. I find the green sweater, the terrible green sweater that I've saved for years that never fit me. Uh, I showed my Instagram stories, me cleaning out my closet. This sweater was the first thing to leave my closet. It didn't fit. It was not great. I tried to wear it several times. Every time I did, I would get strange looks from my family. And I just, you know those articles of clothing you try and make work, but they needed to die a long time ago. This was one of those. So I grabbed the green sweater. I looked through all my crafting. Of course I have supplies to make an ugly sweater. I mean, I I could make 10 ugly sweaters in an afternoon. I have, I've got this girl. So she, um, she has anxiety. I start making the sweater. And I, of course, am thinking I'm going to be going to this party with her because I, I'm not, you know, I haven't met these people. I don't know them. And I'm not just going to drop my daughter off at this party because I don't know the people. So I'm like, I just feel like that's a diligent mom thing to do. I, I don't, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand the, the pushback I get from this, from these kids. I mean, I, I've told them a copious amounts of stories where I relate them back to jewelry, jewelries, like they're diamonds and I'm not just going to like run over to somebody's house that I don't know and just leave my diamonds there and hope they're going to be okay. And it's so like, I know it's not their favorite thing. I know it's not their favorite thing to have mom come, but that's what mom's doing because mom is not doing that. Mom is not dropping her diamonds off at people's homes. I don't know. Just my own personal conviction. We all can do different things. This is the thing I'm doing. So she, um, I go to pick her up after um, she actually went and tried out to be in a play, Mary Poppins play at her school. Super proud of her. Um, so I picked her up after that and she immediately gets in the car and she's relaying her plan of this is, you know, this is what she's going to do to get ready because she's super anxious about being ready. And I got to communicate to her. Not only was she ready because I had made the ugly sweater, but I had already, you know, we're good. Like she's good. We're good. So she comes home and that's when she, she realizes that I won't be dropping her off at this party. She has a moment and she also has a moment because she doesn't know what she's doing with her hair. And I'm just, you know, 
I just, I never had a team, a mom team that did my hair for parties. What I had was,、um, I had ambition and a couple TV shows that inspired me being able to style hair. I don't know where I went wrong. Maybe it was because I jumped in too many times with my daughter and her her hair needs, but she she has now the expectation, rightly so, because I've created this that she will not only be styled head to toe in an outfit that I can create for her in a couple of hours last minute, but also that I will be styling her hair to match. Because I also created a hairpiece that went and matched the ugly sweater. This is the life that she's living—a completely different life than I am. And plus, she's ten times cuter than me. And as we're—and I told her, I said, "That's just how it goes. When you are a mother and you ha- you give birth to your children, they automatically are cuter than you. Like, th- like she just superseded me on every level. And I chalk it up to."、Um, Well, me just pouring into her style suggestions like we're not going to be wearing overalls、uh, anywhere ever unless we're strawberry picking and then it's a cute thing, and we're also not going to be wearing cotton shorts with orange and pink stripes with a matching cotton shirt with orange and pink stripes ever in the history of our life. This was an outfit I remember wearing. And never did my mother step in to guard me from my faux pas. In fact, she supported them.、Um, she supported them by purchasing those items. So I'm not that mother, and we're not doing any of that, except for when my daughter chooses her outfits, and that's something that I have given her the right to do, because I believe that. This is a style expression, and so never can she ever look back at me in the photos I have that are tucked inside my phone, and I'm not sharing them online for her benefit. Never can she look back at me and go, "Mom, you bought that for me. Mom, you dressed me in that, like my mother did." No, no, she is completely responsible for her style choices. She is so responsible, in fact, she will not allow me to. Pick out her clothes, or dress her, except, except in these moments, when she needs my help for a special occasion, and this is the moment I really shine. This is the moment that I get to come alive, and go, yes, honey, I just made you an ugly sweater. It's ugly cute, which we we clarified this on the drive home. Is it ugly cute? Is it ugly ugly? That's a thing. It was ugly cute, and then I made the sweater, and then. She wanted it into a shawl, not a sweater. So I cut off the sleeves, did a little hot glue. Boom! It was an ugly shawl with a matching. For it was extraordinary. Didn't get a photo of it, of course, because that's not the age that we're at. But she wore it, and we're on our way to the party. And we're talking about the fact that when I was twelve, I wasn't cool, and I was always, you know, the、uh, the oddball. Chalk it up to my creative extraness and the fact that people didn't know what to do with my creative genius. I don't know. Maybe it was just because I was that uncool. But that was my life, and now I'm watching my daughter live a way cooler life than me. All while she's feeling like she's this uncool person. She 
she feels like also she wants a normal mom. And I've had to tell her, I'm sorry, that's not something that you get to have. <laughs> and when that conversation came up was when she was telling me she wants a Harry Potter like outfit for Christmas. And I had to clarify, was I allowed to make this outfit from scratch? And she said, absolutely not. She just wanted to be a normal child. And it, what's funny is that in, in her dreams of having a normal parent, what she misses is the enormous amount of fun that she has by me not being normal. This is why all of my unnormal mom listeners, never let them thwart your sleigh. You just be you. Because if you were different, they would hate that too. So you just be you. You show up at the party like I did, knowing no one, being the only the only adult that stayed. And there I was. <laughs> I looked like one of them. I was like the half of the kids that were there were taller than me. And so as I'm there, um, I haven't experienced what I'm about to tell you yet. So for those of you who have little moms, just know it will come. It was the, oh my goodness, mom, you're not even allowed in the same room that I'm in. And that was communicated to me by a very specific look. This look that I knew, even though I had never seen it before, it was the, oh, dear Lord Jesus, mother, if you step into this room right now, I will never forgive you. And it, was, it wasn't like a mean look. It, was, it had like a slight smile. The eyes were really wide, that kind of thing. So when I got that message, I heard it very loud and clear. She's lucky that I didn't just walk over and start telling terrible stories about her childhood. Which that would be, I would never do that to her. I would never intentionally, well, maybe I would. Uh, it depends on what she did or if she was, anyway. So she gave me that look. Which like reminds me back to that phone call and the the moments I've experienced recently having a 12-year-old daughter. She thinks that she is able to completely fool me if there's something wrong. You know, when like your kids, there's something wrong. You can, you, mothers can smell when there's something wrong with their child three miles away. It's like, it's almost like that, that, you know, like you hear these stories about twins where like they feel the pain. That's how it is with a mother. If my child trips in the playground right now, I bet I could let you know that they did. It's just like this feeling that happens. So when she's sitting at my kitchen table and she has this look or she's like having a moment and I'll, oh, babe, you know, what's wrong? Nothing, nothing's wrong. And I looked at her the other day and I'm like, girl, please. I was like, just in the way that you enunciated the N and nothing, nothing's wrong, I know that something's wrong. I can feel you. We, we shared vicinity for a very long time. Like you were inside of my body and I felt you. We consumed the same nutrients, child. And then not only did I birth you from my body and feed you, forever from my being then I got to know you when you didn't even know yourself when you were just this little infant that could barely communicate your needs wants and desires for years you depended on me just to not die from things like putting a fork in an electrical socket I had to be aware of your every breath and existence for a very long time and still do and still do 
And yet you believe that you can convince me that you are okay when you are a thousand percent not okay. And I can feel you in your breathing and know that you're lying. And when she looks at me and continues to lie, I just, you know, give her space. And then I do what any mom does that knows their child that well. I lead her. I call, Andre and I call this leading down the path. It's like in those stories where there's like, you know, a sinister person or, or a mom that's trying to accomplish something. They kind of tilt their head a little bit and they move their fingers ever so slightly in that leading motion and they say, come. come. Like Hansel and Greta are like, come, come down the pathway. So when my children get like this, specifically my daughter at this time, I know how to get her to leave the couch, to leave Harry Potter on the side of the couch. I do this through strategy that I have learned over 12 years, 13 really, if you count her being in my body. I lead her and I do this through snacks. That's right, snacks. This is one of the ways that mothers lead their children and we do it brilliantly. You will never find a more adequate and convincing sales and marketing genius than a mother inspiring action through the cornucopia display of snacks sitting in front of an empty seat at a table. So what I did, I went to the refrigerator while said child was reading, and I opened it to find a half of an avocado. Now, avocados are a particular snack. They're filling, nutritious, and very alluring, especially when you set out a tray of crackers alongside of the avocado. You know what I'm talking about because you also, listener, are a sucker for snacks and avocados. This is why Chipotle makes millions of dollars off of us and we smile while handing them the extra money it costs to get guac. And when they say, would you like guac, it's extra, we put up a finger. We close our eyes slightly, almost like like we're contemplating the audacity of them questioning our life choice. It doesn't matter what it costs. It's avocado. Just give it to me. And so they do when we pay the extra. And the CEO of Chipotle uh, has a private jet made of diamonds because of the avocado that they're selling. We don't care. Just give it to us. So I'm laying out the avocado with the crackers and I peel the orange and set it there. This is strategy. Because I know if she's just gotten home from school and she's pretending nothing's wrong when obviously there's something wrong, it's okay. She just needs an invitation to open up. The best invitation is snacks. So I lay out the display and I sit in the chair. The empty chair is sitting next to me. I set the plate down 
the click of, this is important, the click of the plate on the table, it's like the Pavlov's dog's uh, chime, if you will. The click happens, and then I sit in silence because it's probably going to be about 90 seconds before that chair next to me is filled. And lo and behold, it gets filled, and I wait. Again, this is strat- This is mom's strategy. You can't just dive into a deep conversation when there's hanger sitting at the table. That's the first thing. Women have learned what hanger is partly because of the internet and partly because hanger has been the silent participant in most conversations that we've had that have ended very poorly for a very long time. If a woman is in a relationship, a deep relationship with a man for any amount of time, this man has learned that hanger is also a part of his relationship that he has with the woman. It's, it's a joint deal. Hanger doesn't come separate. It comes with the woman. It's a, it's, it's a joint thing. And if the man is smart and is still around, there's a lot of weak men that have been left for not understanding this next part of the conversation. And you already know where I'm going. You know exactly where I'm going. Every woman's hanger is satisfied differently. It's not the same. It's not the same for all of us. It's not the same time of day. It's not the same time of the month. It's not the same mood. And most of the time, if hanger's talking, hanger won't even let us clearly identify not only what we want to eat or that we're even hungry, which makes um, dating a woman for any amount of time incredibly adventurous and or miserable and awful, any one of those things. There's a few keys to a woman that I feel like maybe are standard. You know, it may give and take depending upon the woman, the background, the history, the time of the month. Chocolate, chipotle, and wine are, are staples. Pizza, probably number one. If a woman is experiencing hanger and a man shows up with a hot pizza of her favorite, her favorite kind, he has solved most of the relationship problems he was going to have in the next three and a half hours. In fact, he has set himself up for an excellent night, especially if he brought home a bottle of wine. My husband, for about three years of our relationship, would just come home every Friday with a bottle of wine and pizza. Our relationship has been amazing. Is there a correlation? I think so. So as I'm leading my daughter to the table, slowly but surely with avocado and crackers and a side of orange because we're all about balance, she sits down and starts eating and slowly but surely smiles. Smiles are erupting where there was no smiles before in her and in me. My smile is the amazing coy satisfaction of knowing my child like the back of my hand. All the while she thinks, and she can never listen to this podcast because then she'll know all of my mother's secrets and those are things we don't share with our children. She thinks she has fooled me and bamboozled me when in actuality I have inspired action in her to not only come and sit at the table, 
But at my silence and my phone being set aside, I have given her my full attention, which is the ultimate invitation for her to talk. (laughs) And guess what? She does. And it's an amazing thing when this happens because I, I silently give myself a standing ovation as a mother because although I've known my child her whole life, It's always satisfying to crack the code. You know what I'm talking about, moms. Even from when they were little. When that baby was crying and nobody else knew that it was because they wanted their arm to be swaddled. One arm, the left arm. And they needed their hand to be open, not clenched, open. They needed a new diaper and a onesie that had open feet, not closed feet. And when you swaddled them and rolled them like a burrito with their left arm raised above their head, and they stopped crying, you knew is because you cracked the code. Every child has a code. What's interesting is that as children grow up, women in particular, we still have codes, don't we? <laughs> and our codes are incredibly, I, I want to call them adventurous. Other people might call them terrible like uh like being stuck in like an escape room that you can never really solve i don't know if you've been to an escape room oh my it's one of andre and my favorite things to do ever we're like the masters of escape rooms we've been to like 15 and we walk in we're so proud and confident and like the people ask us have you ever done this before and we like look at them with side eye and like the confidence of a genius and we're like yes Yes, we have. And we like crack codes by ourselves. And the, the people at the escape rooms will come in after we're done and like, wow, we've never even seen groups crack these codes. And we're like, we are professional puzzle solvers. Except for um, sometimes in our relationship, Andre and I will get to points in and of our own selves where we don't even know why we're upset or what the problem is or how to communicate the problem. And then uh, it takes longer for us to crack the code in each other. But when we crack codes, there's, there's a dopamine rush that happens. And what's interesting about parenting and growing up as an adult is the code is always changing. And that's what makes women, I, I don't know, I, I want to say interesting to men. I don't get it because I tell Andre all the time, if I was married to me, I would be miserable. (laughs) Like, I would be miserable. Like, I don't know how you deal with all these things that I have and all these different things. And he does it like such a champ and he enjoys it, which is also an interesting thing. And I'm like, really? You like doing this? This is interesting to you because the code keeps changing. I know the code keeps changing because when we get to Fridays sometimes and I don't want pizza it shocks me and i and i think is this going to be the demise of the relationship because now you have to learn something new but then again like guys are adventurers and they love that and i'm like more power to you because i like codes that are consistent and the one code that i know is consistent is snacks right now and i know my daughter's codes are cha- they've changed of course they've changed they they change it seems like Every minute they change and it does make it a little bit interesting but also challenging because I don't know about you and your kids. Kids are so brilliantly made that they, they get obsessed with something for a moment and then they move on. 
um, I know this for sure because over the last few years of Christmases, every single Christmas has a theme. You'll notice this in your children too. The theme of the birthday. They've never had two of the same birthdays. Oh no, it has to be a completely different theme. Last year, um, there was a different theme of Christmas. I told you about this yesterday or the last podcast. It was the uh, the Hatchimal. Well, this year it's Harry Potter. Every year has a different theme. But there are some consistent codes that stay generally the same. And this makes me feel safe because I, I then have an understanding. There's always some things that will work with my children and always some things that won't. One of the things that will always work with my children when they're upset is our dog. Our dog, um, I have personified our dog to the nth degree. She's actually a doctor. She went to school in London. She she met the queen a couple times. She didn't know the queen, but there's a couple articles that she wrote uh, that went across the queen's desk. She's actually, she's a doctor. And so when my children are upset, Dr. Lucy actually comes and, and helps them. This still works right now. I'm going to be sad when this no longer works. I am holding on to it in my my mom my mom bag of tricks. I really believe that mothers are the Mary Poppins of this world. Mary Poppins was really just an analogy for all for all of us moms to make sense of how magical and amazing we are. Proven by the fact that at any given time you can walk up to a mother in the middle of any store and ask her for an arbitrary thing, a sock, a sandal that's broken, um, the Declaration of Independence. She will likely have something like that in her vicinity, in her purse, in her bag, in the tote that she's wheeling behind her because it takes that much stuff to take care of a, of a little person. The smaller the person is, the younger the baby is, the more things it takes to take care of them. Give you an example. A lot of new moms, you know, they have not only the staples of the diaper bags, they have to prepare for the absolutely unthinkable. I used to carry extra articles of clothing in my car for myself. I remember going through three separate outfits with Lelia on probably a day trip to like Target or something. Like you just never know. And the smaller they are, the more you have to prepare. So you go up to any mom anywhere and they're going to have what you need. So that's one of the things that makes moms extraordinarily amazing like Mary Poppins. She's just giving us a visual of, of a representation of who we are. Notice how one of the solutions of her problem, although it wasn't a snack per se, it was something that the children ate. And there was an entire song made out of it. You'll see now as you watch yourself and other mothers, kind of like the mother brand, you're going to start seeing consistencies of ways mothers inspire action in their children. One of the ways that I started this course that I'm writing about writing is with the mother because she is one of the most tremendous salespeople of all time. She doesn't even know it. She's able to convince a completely irrational, hangry, emotionally erratic being to do thousands of things a day that they don't want to do. 
And she's able to do it with a smile on her face and a song and a skip in her step. And she likes to do it. Amazing. Gosh, mothers do not even get enough credit. Extraordinarily amazing skills. Which brings me back to last night. I convinced my daughter to let me come with her to the party. Well, not really convinced her. Just told her that I was, that's what I was doing. Half of the party, she wouldn't even let me be in the room with her. I was not allowed. Every time I would try and get a little closer to the room, I got the eyes from across the room. So I stepped back. So I waited. I waited and I waited. And I waited until she came out to get a snack. And it was there... While she was standing at the hot chocolate bar, I had actually made her a hot chocolate. That was my first attempt. She thought that I was handing her juice, so she dismissed it from across the room, which I thought was very strange, but, you know, new environment, maybe a new set of rules. Maybe the snacks don't work the same way. It's like Narnia. You have to learn the rules of the world that you're in with your children. Wasn't allowed past the threshold of the door with the hot chocolate, so I stepped back. But when she came out to get her own hot chocolate, I walked over, said hello, greeted her like I've never met this person in my life, asked her how her night was going, gave her space. I was fully prepared to sit in the living room longer. But then I asked if I was allowed now, now that she had been acclimated to the room, now that the white elephant part of the party had started, which by the way, there were 70 children in the room in this room it's a very large room in this house somebody's house nice house i know there were 70 because i survived to the end of the white elephant and that was the last number that they called so it was around oh 21 uh number 21 which probably accounted for 35 minutes of crazy highs and lows of the roaring of the room as every child opened an under five dollar gift everyone let out a tremendous ooh and ah so it was probably a good you know 16 oohs and ahs at the loudest possible capacity that any mother could handle oohs and ahs everywhere um i was ready to to go at that point no i was just supporting her being there and that's why I was there so over at the hot chocolate bar I asked her if I was allowed I I made um a hard ask if I was allowed to sit now in the room with her I got permission to do that I was now considered a cool mom probably because my hair was blue a lot of the girls were complimenting my earrings maybe they thought I was a high schooler that was there um I I don't know, but I now was allowed in the room with her. So I sat in the room and watched her have the best time of her life ever. And I was remembering all of the anxiety of the phone call that led up to this moment as her shawl is sitting beside me. She's not even wearing it. She has dismissed the most important and most relevant thing to her at that time earlier in the day is now in a ball crumpled sitting beside me and I realized this is all the things 
that I did and experienced when I was 12 years old. And it's like literally watching my own story unfold before me, except for the fact that I'm a different generation of mom. And I now have a completely different perspective on mothering. Because when you're mothering up until the point of puberty, it's it almost feels like... Um, child's play you're just it's it's nothing now looking back during it I was like what in the world do I do but now looking back I'm like it was really easy to crack these codes super easy you just be dramatic you do a little song and dance that's one of the reasons why Andre loves being a VBK teacher the the irrationality of the emotions are actually to the benefit of the parent that is in the vicinity of the child. They do a little dance, they do a little song, everybody's laughing again, it's fine. The tween, the tween times is very different. <laughs> very different. And so as I continue on this journey, I will invite you in via the stories about how I sat for two and a half hours at a white elephant with a room full of prepubescent and puberty kids roaring at the top of their lungs, having the absolute best time of their life wearing ugly sweaters. So remember, as you leave this podcast Remember, you too have the amazing authority to inspire action in your children. Some would call that selling. I would call that smart parenting. And if all else fails, a little avocado on a little cracker goes a really long way. So until next time, enjoy. Enjoy those kids if they're young. Enjoy them in their in their tweens too because you'll never go back to this phase again once you're through it and you'll want all of these precious moments these mementos these memories to go with it so i'll be saving the ugly sweater shawl and this podcast forever so that one day when she's a mom she can listen to the one time she was anxious about the ugly sweater she didn't wear for half the party have a great rest of your day